0: Well, welcome to the Who is God Podcast. I am Thaddeus Funk. Uh, this is my journey of learning a little bit more about who God is uh, by exploring how he's interacted in the lives of others. Um, I'm really excited to uh have our guest on to talk about the life of a gentleman who God interacted with and who is um for a lot of us a um I would maybe even say a pillar of our faith, a foundation of uh definitely an example of someone uh that we can model our lives after. Um, uh, and so I'm really excited. At this time of year, it's, uh, uh, his name pops up um, because of the holiday we're about to experience. Um, we're going to talk about St. Nicholas, um, uh, the gentleman who uh, later became uh, sometimes referenced or led to the story of Santa Claus, uh, and so with me today is Tony Ojeda, uh, a friend I've known for a number of years. I'm delighted to have you on the podcast. Tony, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, first of all, Thaddeus, thanks for
1: having me on the podcast. I'm excited to share, hopefully, a little bit about St. Nicholas. Uh, So I'm blessed to be married to my lovely bride, Cindy, for uh, 29 and a half years now. Wow. Just would have been 29 and a half years. So that's good. We have six children, uh, the range from ages of 28 all the way down to seven. And then about a little over eight weeks ago, we had our first grandchild. So a little granddaughter named Faustine.
0: Congratulations. Thank
1: you. I'm very blessed. uh, As you, I'm in the financial services industry, and I'm very blessed every day to be able to help so many people uh, with that. And uh, I never thought I'd want to do it in my life, but I'm so blessed that I've been able to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, me as well. It wasn't anything I ever thought Mm. I would do, and then when I ended up in here uh, because of our mutual friend, um, if I drop his name, Bob Swanson, uh, Mm. I found that I should have done this a long time ago. Mm. It really allows me to make a difference in people's lives in a way that I always wanted to, yes. but didn't realize this was the venue. So it's amazing, isn't it? It is. It's yeah. wonderful. So let's talk about, who is this St. Nicholas? Mm-hmm. So St. Nicholas,
1: uh, he is not Santa Claus, uh, but he was a real person. And that's what a lot of people don't really know. You know, So it's like with our little Joseph, he's, he'll ask me every once in a while, Santa Claus real? And I explain, yes, yeah, St. Nicholas. And we, in our family, have always used St. Uh, Nicholas. Sometimes we'll refer to him as Santa Claus, but... He was a real individual. He was born a, around the year 270, and he died around 340. And he was born into wealth. His family was very wealthy. Uh, there's not much we know about his parents, but he they probably passed away when he was maybe in his teenage years or in his early 20s, very young adulthood, and he was left with everything. Mm. Uh, so much in the same way that uh, St. Francis although he didn't um, uh, he had a bunch of money it 's not like his parents had passed away. he took his wealth and he turned it to do good for many other people so Saint Nicholas ultimately became a bishop in the catholic church that's I think a lot of people are aware of that uh, by now uh, because there's so many images of him wearing a bishop's mitre or statues or images of him wearing a bishop 's mitre but uh, he was not really Santa Claus uh, in the way we think about Santa Claus now. But the way we do think about Santa Claus is he was, Santa Claus is very generous, right? Santa Claus, every Christmas Eve, goes out all across the world and gives gifts to all of the children. And in much the same way, the true and real St. Nicholas was also very charitable in giving to others.
0: Right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what we at least suppose to be true. Mm-hmm. I recognize a lot of, a lot of what uh, we know or think we know about St. Nicholas was, is a lot of legend. Sure. There's not a lot of fact. Um, as I understand, some of his early years, um, his, he, how did he end up being a bishop? Was that some of his family that, that's, influence? It, that's very possible. In the early church,
1: families did have influence, and families of means did have influence as well. It, it really isn't unknown exactly how he became a bishop. Uh, the best guess would be that his family was very active in their faith. They probably were also generous to the church, uh, probably generous to the poor. And somewhere along the way, somebody recommended that he would be a bishop. And so ultimately, he was ordained a bishop. Uh, He was actually young uh, when he became a bishop, probably in his 30s. So uh, whereas bishops today might be ordained when they're in their late 40s or maybe their mid-50s, of course, back then, the life expectancy was also less. Uh, but it probably was because his family was generous, and they were known from where
0: he was from, and so he was carrying on a little bit of that family tradition in in his devotion to the church yeah there there is no question. I mean that is one thing we do
1: know is he was just a very faithful uh to the church uh he was all about serving the church in in living the life of Christ, you know much in the same way that Christ gave his life on the cross. St Nicholas tried to do that with his life. In, in
0: general, and living that out, and there's a lot of legends or stories mm-hmm. about how how he may have may have done that. Um, I'd like to think there's a there's a a grain in tooth a, a grain of truth in all of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I, I as I've read through some of the stories preparing for this, um, I really uh, there are a few that really got my heart. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is one specifically.
1: Uh, so I I came across this story. Goodness gracious, probably 20 years or, or so ago, we had some videos, you know, the, the VCRs yep. uh, back when those were prevalent. With our oldest couple of children, we would watch this video. And I, I wish I could remember who produced it, but we don't have the video anymore. And it was the story of how St. Nicholas became who he was. And so the story I'm most familiar with is there was uh, a a man who had three daughters, not sure how old they were, but you could almost assume that they were at least in their teens, maybe in their early 20s. And uh, there was real pressure on him to come up with a dowry
0: uh, for his three girls to marry some men. And the uh, the idea of the dowry was that if you married this woman, you got this, this dowry, you yeah. got these funds to establish the marriage. Correct. The family. That is correct. That's exactly what was happening.
1: And he just didn't have it. So the issue was, if he did not come up with a dowry for each girl, he was going to be forced to sell them, or actually not even forced to sell, he would lose his daughters and they would become, in essence, prostitutes. So much in the similar way that we're dealing with the issue of human trafficking today, which is terribly sad that we're still dealing with this, that is what this man was confronted with. And so St. Nicholas became aware of that. Now, whether he was the bishop at this time or not, we're not sure. But he again, he still had this wealth and these means to be able to help. And so there were three successive nights. It probably was not on Christmas Eve, but it was sometime right. that he actually put um, three separate nights. He took three small bags and he put money in them and he would throw them into the window. And so he did that. And uh, that man was able to take that money and use that for his daughter's, all three daughter's dowry. And therefore, they were not forced into
0: prostitution, so they were able to then get married. He saved um the honor of the family, mm, yes, the honor of these women um and their lives and Now, I assume if if you're going to throw money through a window, it's with the idea that you're going um you're trying to stay anonymous that's right and in in a similar fashion, that's probably where this legend of
1: you know uh Santa Claus comes and that he comes in the darkness of night and he comes when everybody's sleeping because you don't know when he's going to be there. And of course, I have to admit, I've I've lied to all my children, saying yes, I saw Santa last night. I had a conversation with him. Uh, hopefully, I won't be judged on that in the future. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, the idea was he was going to be anonymous. And so many of the uh, stories, again, so much of it is legend, and we don't know how much of it is true. The story I just shared is is probably the one that people believe probably actually did happen mm-hmm. for sure. But other stories of you know him being on ships and being able to do the things he. He would do to help save others. It was a lot of it was just there. He was saving them from something bad happening. Right. And you can almost imagine, you know, like your heartstrings, you see somebody suffering. Like I uh, earlier today saw uh, somebody by a bus stop and I was like, oh my goodness, they've got all of their life. Everything is there, but that's where they're living right now. And so your heartstrings are just moved. But his was so moved that he would take action. He right. did the things that Jesus himself would have done.
0: Right. Right and And I love that part of those stories. Several of the stories that i that I read involved um bringing young boys back to life. Yes, do you have any of those that you want to share? yeah, I mean that there is a story of him
1: uh being on a ship, and that's actually one of the reasons he is a patron saint of sailors is in essence, there was a boy who was going to be losing his life. And uh, he was able to bring that boy, or in essence, resurrect that boy back from the dead. Uh, That's a story that's often shared, and so that's another one that you would think that might be true. Uh, There's no question that, you know, Jesus was able to raise people from the dead, but he's not the only person that we know of that's been able to do that. And so the fact that St. Nicholas may have done that on a ship is very, very possible, very likely, Uh, but it's all about, again... That's a great thought is that he was really a restorer of life to people, mm. whether well, it was this circumstance with this boy or with these three girls and restoring, giving them the restoration of their life so they wouldn't be forced into prostitution. Just a very,
0: very generous man. Well, these aren't these aren't new stories that have been made up. These are stories that have passed down from generations and for hundreds of years. Thousands of years. Yeah. I mean, you if you really
1: think about how long ago he lived, and we we're t- we're talking 1,700 years ago. And so these stories have passed on through the church, you know, since he was alive. And very much the same way that any saint that is canonized a saint in the church, the stories are there. And we know the good deeds that they did, at least a few of them, because Mm -hmm. in order to be canonized a saint in the church, you have to have led
0: a notorious life,
1: you know, in service
0: to others and service to the church. Certainly impactful enough to enough people. That, uh, that there was enough evidence then for canonization.
1: Correct. And there also, and I, I don't know all of the miracles associated with that, but in order to be canonized a saint, you have to have three miracles attributed to you after you have passed away. So, in order for him to be canonized a saint, there would have had to be three miracles that had to be somehow verified by the church. So, the idea is much in the same way, you know, when we die, we're not dead you know mm-hmm. we're still living but we're living in the presence of god and so we're able to do things very notoriously, even in heaven you know and uh, so he was he's had these three miracles as well attributed to him
0: right that's pretty amazing to think that um you know when we think about there being legends mm-hmm. but then there's not this isn't just a made up story there is factual evidence that there were people who Um, investigated and Mm -hmm. questioned and thoroughly examined these situations enough to come back and say, yes, this did happen. And because this happened, now we're going to canonize uh, now St. Nicholas. Um, I think that adds a lot of validity um, compared to a lot of other things where you hear a lot of stories of other individuals in that same time period that can or cannot be verified in a similar manner. It's very true because that
1: process, although, you know, sometimes it can take maybe 10 or 15 years, sometimes that process takes decades, you know, if not a century to be able to come up with those three miracles and to study the life of that individual. And I just think about it as we all have heroes in our lives today, you know, and and when we're younger, it might be the superheroes. It might be Batman and Robin and Superman, Mm -hmm. But as you know, I I, uh, published a book called My First Hero, and it's about my dad. It's a biography of my dad. And the people who have gone before us and have already gone to heaven, who led tremendous lives, they're really the heroes that we should be striving to be like. Right. Because they led the way. And St. Nicholas clearly was one of those people. Again, the generosity that he had towards others is very much like Christ would have been.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And 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 the fact that that we've been able to carry his story all these years. Correct. I think that also leads then to how how quickly he became, you know, that I should say, the fact that his story is still told today and and across the world enough that it has now uh for lack of a better term degenerated into Santa Claus. Right. Yeah, it's pretty amazing because the whole
1: notion of Santa Claus didn't even really begin until about the 1830s or 1840s. So we, we have a period of 1,400 years where just the stories of St. Nicholas are in existence. And somewhere along the way, all of a sudden, the idea of Santa Claus is created all of those years later. And there, basically, there's two things that happened with that. There was a poem, uh, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." I think that was uh, written in 1822 by uh, Clement Clark Moore. And then Washington Irving also wrote a history. He wrote a book called The History of New York. That would have been like in the 1840s. And up until that time, there is nothing about Santa Claus. And what I find fascinating is the idea is that Santa Claus is a gift giver. Mm Mm-hmm. So somewhere, whether it was uh, Clement Moore or if it was Washington Irving, these legends and these stories, hopefully most of them factual, have created this image of Santa Claus. And it all comes back to the fact that St. Nicholas did good for others. He gave to others.
0: Yeah, and I just as as we're hearing about these dates, I want to think about that Santa Claus in that example did not exist— until after, well after the founding of America.
1: Yeah, it's pretty if fascinating. I put that in,
0: if I put that into perspective, you our country is older than the story of Santa Claus.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: I, I think very few people would have recognized that or even thought about that.
1: Yeah, I have to admit, the first time I really... And again, it goes back to this video. I can't tell you how many times I watched this cartoon video with my kids. And I remember going back, well, okay. Now, obviously, we got Santa Claus from St. Nicholas. And surely Santa Claus has been around for centuries. No, 200 years. <laughs> right. And it is pretty fascinating when you really think through the story of him. And it would be great. I, I listened to another podcast uh, by John O'Leary. It's called, um, I forget what his podcast is called. But one of the questions he asks to his uh, guest is, if you could sit on a park bench you know, on a beautiful day, who is the one person that you would spend time with? Well, in this circumstance, I might ask to spend time with Washington Irving, Irving, and Clement Moore to find out. That was great. How did you come up with that story or that poem? Mm-hmm. What 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 did you know about the actual Saint Nicholas that would bring that to you? Right, uh, kind
0: of an unknown. And what led to you know? Obviously, today a, a lot of people would never connect Saint Nicholas with Santa Claus. Correct. Um, but what would what would lead someone to, to create that story that obviously did reflect back to a lot of the characteristics that we see um, in St. Nicholas? That'd be a great question to find out.
1: Yeah, I think part of it, because I have looked at that, is just, and I, I want to say this is more in the very late 1800s and early 1900s, is it was, in this case, Catholics talking about St. Nicholas, and people saying, okay, be, I, and I can't remember this exactly, I think it is in uh, Twas a twas Night Before Christmas, he doesn't go into great detail, really, if you think about it, what Santa Claus looks like. Right. But the idea that he has this beard and he has this hat. St. Nicholas had a beard. He had a hat that was a miter. Uh, and then the clothing, the red, you know, bishops and cardinals were red. Mm-hmm. And so all of that comes about. And again, it would be fascinating to visit with those two individuals.
0: Right. And was it a way to just kind of help tell the story? I know oftentimes... Um, We'll, make, we'll take stories out of the Bible and make them a little simpler, easier for kids to understand. Right? Um, we don't go into all the detail of David and Goliath. Um, and I wonder if maybe it wasn't even some of, some of that. Well, think about this, too. For whatever reason, Christmas is
1: associated with St. Nicholas. And the story I shared earlier about the dowry and the three girls— How do you explain that to a child who is six and seven years old? Well, if Saint Nicholas wouldn't have helped, they would have been prostitutes, right? You're not going to explain that. Yeah, that's not a conversation. So, but the idea again, it's he was very generous, he was very giving. In essence, he gave gifts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's fascinating where where that 1,400 years or so where it went, where all of a sudden we had this real man, and now 1,400 years later we have this fake individual that's based on that real man,
0: right? Well, I, and I wanted to uh steer a little bit here. You know, we, we talk a lot about St. Nicholas and of course these three young women, but also a lot of um uh children. You know, that's where a lot of the 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 this new Christmas story comes from. Um you mentioned a little bit ago about uh about Nicholas being a patron saint of uh, of sailors. Mm-hmm. Like where does that come from? Where and and how many different groups is he uh, a patron saint for him. He's also the patron saint of... He's one of the patron saint of
1: children. And he's probably the patron saint of another two or three things. And again, that is just the church. So the church it really encourages people to have a devotion to a saint. Not some... Again, not because we're worshiping that individual, but because they led a great life in the example of Jesus Christ himself. And so if you can be devoted to a saint... And so obviously... Because what he did with, he helped so many young people when he was truly alive. They thought this would be good for children to be devoted to this man who was so giving. Hmm. And, you know, the idea is like I as a father can say, okay, I I understand that you really want that and you don't want to share that. But St. Nicholas, and with our kids, they know, okay, that's Santa Claus. Right. St. Nicholas, he gave of everything. And so even those things that maybe he wanted, money, the wealth, he gave that away and so a child can then go, okay, I want to be more like Saint Nicholas. I want to be more giving. Right. And so yeah, the church is going to decide what are the things that those individuals did. And in that case with Saint Nicholas, these are the things that he did. He you can be associate his life with, and that's how he becomes the patron saint of
0: these different things. Right. And then sailors, there's stories that go along with what he did for sailors. Correct. Travelers. Yep. He was because uh, he 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 sailed a lot uh, in his
1: work as a bishop. And just in general. And so the work he did uh, on those uh, journeys on, on the sea, uh, sailors can be devoted to him because he did good things for sailors. Right. Uh, and so that's another reason that he would be right. the patron saint
0: of sailors. So let's talk a little bit about, um, there's been reverence um, for St. Nicholas for, for centuries. Yes. Um, in the fact that even his, um, uh, where he was buried... Was a place for pilgrimage. That's correct. What um, can you uh, share a little bit about that? I can. What what I want to say is
1: there's a few things so that we haven't touched on. But he was persecuted. The the church was persecuted by the Emperor Diocletian, and uh, so he stood up to that. He was in prison for a long time, and then when Constantine became the Emperor of Rome, of course Christianity was legalized, and he was able to get out of prison. But there clearly was a strong devotion to him. Mm-hmm. So he was buried, and, and there was fear that uh, his remains, uh, or what we would call in the church relics, would be stolen. And, uh, of course, he lived in present-day Turkey. That's where he was a bishop. And now his remains are actually in Italy. And uh, so, again, we would refer to those as relics. There's, there's also belief that some of his relics or his bones are other places but the majority of them were moved from where he was and where he lived his life all the way to Italy. And now it's an, it's actually a basilica of St. Nicholas. So basilicas are generally very beautiful churches. Uh, They have a place of devotion for uh, Catholics for sure. And a basilica that's devoted to a saint, generally, not always, but generally is going to have the remains of that saint. That saint.
0: Yep. Well, and so... The Basilica there of St. Nicholas mm-hmm. is not the only place, as I understand, um, his uh, his notoriety continued to spread, um, and there's cathedrals and uh, all over, I think, um, in the hundreds mm-hmm. that are true. named to him.
1: That's right. And parents uh, might have devotions, too. So not only are you going to have many of cathedrals and other Catholic churches with his namesake, but an example would be, so his feast day that we celebrate in the church is December 6th. So feast days are very important to my family. So we celebrate birthdays and then we celebrate feast days. So uh, my daughter, about a year and a half ago, married Troy Nicholas Timmerman. So Troy's feast day was on December 6th. So we sent on our text message thread, hey, happy feast day to you. And uh, I know that Troy's got a strong devotion to St. Nicholas. For whatever reason, when his parents chose that to be his middle name, they had to have some sort of devotion to St. Nicholas. And in our family, I think that's just my wife's way of just giving extra gifts, um, St. Nicholas Feast Day is a big deal in our family. For years, we would generally put up our Christmas decorations on December 6th. Sometimes we still do that. We did a little bit earlier this year, but uh, we put out our shoes and Goodness gracious, every year, St. Nicholas puts gifts in every one of those shoes. Uh, Now, I'm not sure Rachel, living in Minnesota, got a gift this year, but maybe uh, St. Nicholas delivered a gift up there. But uh, the kids, even our adult children, Sam, I think, was ecstatic. He's 20 years old, Mm -hmm. and he knew St. Nicholas was giving a gift. And so this whole idea that it's, it's just not for us, and I think for a lot of Catholic families in general, it's not just Christmas. It's the fact that he was real. And the church right. has declared he's got a special day right. that we honor his memory, and apparently kids get extra gifts if you do that. So,
0: well, I like I'll bring my shoes next <laughs> yeah, year. Right, <clears throat> you probably get a gift. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and I love the idea of helping people remember, like when it is tough, when mm-hmm. you know there are places where today someone was martyred for their faith in Christ in right. this world, right and and it continues to happen again and again and here's an example of someone who easily could have been at the time i think in my reading they said the uh, the prisons were so filled with with bishops uh mm-hmm. and priests that there wasn't room for any of the actual criminals right. during the time of decletian so um to be able to go and look at here's an example of somebody who underwent that um i know for myself sometimes jesus underwent Way more than I could ever do. Yes. Um, and and it'd be easy for me to say, like, I can't do that, so I'm not going to do anything. Right. But to be able to look at someone else who did sacrifice and did continue to give and continue to um, give everything that they had, given their living, as opposed to just in their dying, um, and say, here's someone that I can emulate. Here's mm-hmm. an example. Somebody else did it. I can, I can make my best effort as well. Yeah, and to, to really think about to be able to visit that basilica,
1: for instance, mm-hmm. where you know his remains are, I was blessed uh, about four and a half years ago to go to Poland, and the reason we went there is because there's a lot of saints from Poland, a lot from the last century in the 1900s, and I have a strong devotion to Pope John Paul II, and to who was from Poland, right? And who was and he was the he was my pope when I grew up. And to be able to walk on the streets that he walked and to go to the place where he said his first mass or to go to the rock quarry that he had to do work in during when the Nazis were present and everything else, to walk in the feet and the footprints of those people, same with St. Nicholas. It, it's not much, it is different because, you know, if you can walk in the uh, the footsteps of Jesus in the Holy Land, I've never been there, but I hear it's, just an amazing experience. Right. Like the Bible becomes really alive. We should just honor all individuals who have led that life, and so mm-hmm. to be able to go to where Saint Nicholas is, I am sure that uh, that is a basilica that gets a lot of people, yeah, uh, because of what he did. His the give the giving. I, I think about people, and I won't say by name because I don't want them to be called by everybody asking for gifts. But I know some individuals. Um, the husband. Is uh, his father was a client of my father, and these husband and wife, uh, back when they were in their mid to late thirties, so this is talking about the early nineties, maybe the mid nineties. They had nothing, literally, probably were close to bankruptcy, but they gave, they gave of what they could, much in the same way that in Scripture the widow, you know, Jesus mm-hmm. says she's given more than that wealthy individual. Right. That's these people. And uh, they started a business, kind of a what we would refer to now as a side hustle, right? Just to try to make any extra money. They were farmers and they weren't doing well. Well, these people, they sold their business maybe in the last year to year and a half for a few hundred million dollars. Amazing. And the gifts that this couple have given from what they sold their business for is monumental like Mm. i would love to be able to give that kind of a gift but it's not because they were wealthy yes they they had the means to be able to do that but this is a couple that ever since they got married probably when they were in their early 20s have had this sense of generosity right well where does that come from well i don't know if they have a devotion to saint nicholas but there are many people who give because they follow saint nicholas's example right and uh it's. It, well, I think one thing that's hard is that we we do associate Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, with Christmas, and so there's so much giving at Christmas. Charities receive more money and gifts at Christmas time. But if we could truly just say, "No, I'm going to be devoted to Saint Nicholas's life all year round," right?
0: We might be more willing to give of our means more often. Well, and, and I love how in his giving. Saint Nicholas was just trying to emulate the Savior was just trying to emulate christ right and and sometimes it is it takes that um you know I remember hearing a story of a young girl who was scared at night and kept calling to her dad and her dad came in and and well, you know Jesus is here, and he's you know he's going to protect you and, and she, her reply was, yes, but sometimes I need a, Jesus with a little skin on hmm. you know and I think we as humans all sometimes need um need that example. Somebody with a little skin on that's, that is some of those footsteps we can follow. And when you go, and I'm sure when you walked, you pictured what it was like mm-hmm. when the Pope was there. Right. What it looked like. And, and then you start to, I'm sure you brought some of those memories back mm-hmm. across the pond, as my British friends that's like funny. to say. Yep. Uh, and then you kind of emulate that here, that same picture in your mind. Um I mean, I can imagine you at different times in your life, like, you know what, I'm going to walk as if this is, I'm going to treat today as if this is my, me working in the mind. Yeah, I'd say
1: that's very much the case. Uh, I think about my life and the times that I have struggles. You, we talk about what Jesus did, and Jesus' suffering on the cross was so much more extreme than anything that I might suffer from. And whether it's people like St. Nicholas or John Paul II, St. Nicholas did many of the things that he did, as you said. It was anonymous. Mm -hmm. But we know these stories about him, you know, the raising of this boy on a ship and other things that he did. Somewhere along the way, God in his infinite wisdom said, I'm going to use Nicholas as a way to bring devotion to me and my son. Mm-hmm. Because not everything d- that Saint Nicholas did was anonymous. Somewhere along the way, he did things in a very public way, uh, much in the same way that Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So much of what Jesus did is anonymous. I mean, if we if we really wanted to read the life story of Jesus, we would be reading something much longer than the Gospels. Right. He spent much time in prayer by himself. And how many times did Jesus heal someone, and he would tell them don't go don't go say anything and One of the things as I think about his many miracles, and probably the same could be said uh, for Saint Nicholas is typically what happens is somebody is seeking god's mercy right they they're they're suffering from they're blind or they they're deaf they can't hear, and so they're seeking healing and they're receiving God's mercy when we receive god's mercy. We have a tendency to go out and spread that, to evangelize. Mm -hmm. St. Nicholas very much did that. And because he did and he led the life of Jesus Christ, other people evangelized and told others.
0: Well, and I think it it was when I was early on in in my homeschool years, Mm -hmm. um, reading through, and I I just read the phrase where Jesus said, I can only do what I've seen the Father do. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow. Um, I recognized then... The modeling, the method of modeling, mm-hmm. and how the father modeled for Jesus, and Jesus was able to do all these things, and how I oftentimes am limited uh, in my attempts to do something I've never seen done um, that maybe nobody's done, hmm. and so we struggle with a lot of that. But if I can see that someone else has already done it, and I can watch them do it, yes. how much easier is it for me? And so to to use that method of modeling. And that's God gives us those examples so that we can continue to model.
1: It's so important because those mod we have so many models. As uh, Charles Barkley famously said in the nineteen nineties, "I am not a role model," but in essence, we are all role models. Right. I, I think about uh, Joseph now at seven years old when he started. He was he's been helping me take out the garbage on Wednesdays for a long time, but when he was first able to take that big garbage can and Pop it on its two wheels and roll that. Well, how did he know how to do that? He had seen me do it over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. And in much the same way, in the church, you know, St. Nicholas again being that perfect example, how many times did he model generosity? Right. How many times did he model just giving of himself, giving of what he had? And where did he learn that? Well, he might have learned that from his parents. Right. He clearly would have learned that from Jesus himself. Right. Yeah. So it's it's amazing. It's it's one of those things I, I need to strive to be better at that, being yeah. a role model and modeling, the life of Christ better, but also be seeking out mentors and models myself.
0: Right. Well, and, and I think the other part is I was raised with the idea of uh, you know don't let the right hand know what the left hand's doing, mm-hmm. keep all your giving quiet, do everything in anonymous, um, and so that was kind of how I raised. But at the same time, if nothing ever is seen. <laughs> It doesn't get repeated. It's only when it gets modeled. And so I think there are some times where, you know, I need to let my kids see me on my knees. Yeah. Um, and I need to let them see me, you know, doing my devotions and spending my time with God. Um. And and sometimes even wrestling with hard decisions.
1: Yeah, I think it's very important. At uh, your children any age, I, I spend about the first 30 minutes of my day in prayer. We have a, a little chapel in our house. And usually it's alone because I am up so early. Every once in a while, Joseph is up and he comes in and he knows what I'm doing. And he'll just lay on a couch that's in the chapel and he will just wait for me. Sometimes he'll ask me, you know, I might be reading scripture Mm. and he may say, dad, can you read that while you're praying? Sure. Mm. I'll do that. But it's the same thing with our older children, whether they're in their teenage years or adult children, as you said, letting them see you struggle Because you know what, Thaddeus, you and I, we're not perfect, right? We make mistakes. We have our own struggles. And if our children don't see us work through those struggles, how are we going to be able to expect them to do the same thing? Right. You know, Jesus, when he was here on earth, he had struggles. He was tempted for 40 days in the desert to think that St. Nicholas never had a struggle, never had a thought that of arrogance, Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, that's super, super important because the struggle, overcoming the struggles in our life, and surrendering our lives to God and letting Him dictate what's going to happen, I think it's pretty important.
0: Well, and and I don't know, you know, the story of how um, Saint Nicholas's parents, uh, how what how their what their end was, right? But I can imagine uh, a man who was as compassionate as Saint Nicholas was that had to have been impactful. And I've seen other people, when they've lost someone important mm-hmm. to them, get angry at God, reject God, and take a very different path. Right. And yet here, whether whether he had, and I've also seen where where people didn't come to devotion to God until they'd lost everything. And that idea that we don't know which path that was, I could see it easily being either. Um, I tend more to the, I think his parents were probably pretty faithful and that, that grounded him in that, in that faith and that generosity. Um, but it is. It comes back to the modeling and recognizing that we're not expected to be perfect. Right. Um, our kids can't – like if for my kids to have to carry that mantle of, of uh, measuring up to the example dad had or, or this fictitious example of being perfect – that's not it, and I, and that's not. I don't think what God wants for us. No, I I would
1: agree with you, and I I I I think you know as I think about Saint Nicholas and the impact his parents had, they had to have had him. Mean, it's is it possible his parents were terrible people? It's possible, but then I don't think he would have been the way he was, and I don't know if the statistics were what they are now as what they were then. But if you look at if Dad goes to church and Dad prays every day and Dad is Modeling that the children are much more likely to follow in yep, line, absolutely, you know, and uh, not that mom doesn't have an impact, mom does have an impact, but something about it is with the dad. So, I've, I've often wondered because his parents died when he was young, how much of an impact did his father have on him, right? Because his father would have been the one that made the money, not his mother. Right, And so uh, his father would have been the one that probably would have shown that generosity. And uh, it's important, again, to have those devotions to, whether it's saints or individuals in our life, who are living their life, not perfectly, mm-hmm. but people who are striving to live a life that Christ would be want us to live.
0: Right. So now we focused a lot on St. Nicholas mm-hmm. and, and his being a, a, a really giving heart. And that and sacrificing of himself and giving to others and 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 to the needs and taking care of others, but he was also wasn't he a very um, a very strong defender of the faith? He was there is a story, and uh,
1: I, I think it's probably true I, I I did some research and said, well, maybe he wasn't there. So there was a council of Nicaea in three twenty five uh, so he would have been probably fifteen years before he had passed away, and so this is after. Uh, Diocletian was no longer the emperor. Const- Constantine was the emperor, and so you had this Council of Nicaea. And uh, one of the things that they, they dealt with was the um, uh, was Jesus truly God and truly man. And the story goes is that uh, there was a a bishop there who, in essence, was a heretic, and he was teaching against that. And we we have those moments today even within the church. And Saint Nicholas. Punched him out. And uh, again, these are legends, but it's possible. And saints are not perfect. We have God, Jesus, was perfect. Mm -hmm. Saints are striving to be perfect. Right. And so, yeah, he might have had a little bit of an anger streak, but what did it have to deal with? It dealt with who Jesus was. Right. And if that truly happened and he literally punched somebody out, that person, that other bishop, must have been pretty nasty in what he was doing to go against that.
0: Right. That, that That is very counter to everything else we see right, from him. Right. Well, and, and I think, so we talk about this this council in Nicaea. There was a lot that came out of that council. Mm-hmm. Um, and as as we think about some of what came out of there and understanding who St. Nicholas was, I can't imagine that, because it wasn't held very far from where he was. Right. So I can't imagine that he wouldn't have been a part of it.
1: And again, he probably was. Again, there are some people say he may not have been there, but it was a big council. I mean, we, from that council came the Nicene Creed, and that really lays out what the church believes, what we believe as Christians. Right. And so he would have had an impact, no different than, you know, in the more local or the more recent councils of the Vatican councils one and two, which happened in the last hundred years now. Uh, some councils, uh, like, a little bit later, um, there was a Council of Hippo. Some councils are local. Uh, they'd be more like if you got, say, all of the bishops of America together, which they do, uh, usually once a year for about a week or two. Uh, but in this case, the Council of Nicaea would have been a worldwide council of all of the bishops. Now, mm-hmm. you got to think about how big Christianity was. It wasn't like we had the United States. So it would have been more right. in that Middle East, maybe parts of Europe, parts of Africa, but most of the bishops would have been there if they could have. If they could have gotten there, they would have been there.
0: Right, and I think that idea. You know, thinking about the the Nicene Creed, um, and that here is what we believe, mm. and and the idea as I read the story was a uh, the bishop was um, really bringing in this other idea that that Jesus wasn't God, mm-hmm. um, and I it kind of fits that the the it, it fits the dialogue maybe of if this guy was really adamantly against this you know no god is god right. and i'm going to defend him um and so i can see that being play is that playing out
1: yeah and there are stories of different councils within the church too of similar things where you have these heretics who are vocal they're loud and the people that we refer, refer to as saints mm-hmm. stood up to them almost in anger but again we see jesus you know he threw the, the money changers in the temple he was angry of course that's justified anger i right. don't know about punching somebody in the nose right. is justified anger but at least he was standing up for what for the truth right
0: so well and i think even in that moment in when jesus was clearing the temple you know he's got all the livestock running wild and then he turns to those that had the doves right. and says get them out right he doesn't release them right i think I think of that moment of mm. the grace that he showed, he made his point and probably whoever was, uh, whoever was moving the livestock, uh, I'll be maybe crass in my, my explanation of that. Um, I think there were still people, travelers coming that needed mm. to buy that right. livestock for their sacrifice. Right. And so I think anything that got rushed out was probably caught again fairly quickly. Right. Uh, or at least relatively quickly. Um, but I think had the doves been released, that would have been a different story. Yeah, because obviously the, the doves were something that the
1: poor would have been used for their sacrifice. So, yeah, yeah that's a good recognition that God, his, his grace that he extends and his mercy, he wants people to be able to honor the sacrifices in much the same way that he honors our sacrifices, mm-hmm. in much the same way that he would have honored St. Nicholas's sacrifices. I mean, you think about that. The church recognizes St. Nicholas as a saint,
0: and why? Because of his sacrifices. Right. What a what an amazing man. Mm, yes. I think, um, and the fact that here we are, uh, you know, what are we, seventeen, hundred or so years yep, later that's right. or more, um, and we still know we know his name. We do know quite a bit about him. Right. Um I'm age uh I don't know if you know, I've gone back and done a lot of my my family history. Okay. Uh, I can trace my some of my lineage back to the um, to the Mayflower. Wow. Um, my great insert number of greats right. grandfather, you know, was was William Brewster. Wow. Um, who in this in this um as I'm trying to learn more about who he was, hmm. we know more about William Bradford, the yes, governor. That's right. Than we do William Brewster, who was the spiritual leader, yeah. Yeah. the elder who was the one who was really leading a movement of people who felt like, we need to worship this way. Mm. We don't think what you're doing in the Church of England is right. They paid a price, were discriminated. Mm. Um, Whether or not he spent some time in jail for that, I think is kind of up there. Um, But then beyond that, there's a lot we don't know. Right. And I think Hmm. here's just a few hundred years ago. Right. We know almost as much or maybe as much about St. Nicholas as we do about William Brewster. Interesting. You know, it's interesting because
1: so much of anyone's history, we know little of, you know, that the true great people, whether they're great or not, you know, like George Washington, we know a lot about him because we're Americans, right? Mm -hmm. We know a lot about on the reverse side, uh, Adolf Hitler, because of what he stood for and the evil that he stood for. But so many of those people who, with humility, just led good lives, so much of their story, remains to be told. Mm-hmm. And uh, we may never know what that the full story is on on anyone, quite honestly.
0: Well, and, and I go back. You talk about that. I think about and, and I look at the world. And, and one of the, for me, one of the most eye-opening scenarios was there was a weekend in, in August of uh, 1997. It happened to be the weekend I got married. Um, that same weekend, there were two prominent women in the world who passed away. Mm, right. Um, one who made a news splash all over, we still see movies made of her life, Um, Princess Diana. Right. And the other, this quiet little woman who Mm -hmm. spent years taking care of the poor in India. Yeah. And yet, we hardly ever talk about Mother Teresa. Right. And yet, in impact in our world... Much greater. Not even on the same level. Right, Like, I... I, and I love Princess Diana and, and she was I, – I think she did some very wonderful yes. things. I think she was in some very difficult places. Right. Um, trying to be a part of the royal family and Absolutely. raising boys and all that kind of stuff. But I would – if if Mother Teresa was at the master's level, right? I think Princess Diana was still elementary yes, kind of thing. Right. And yet we don't pay attention to to the one and we pay attention to the other and, and look – I'm, I'm editorializing, look at where we're at. How much more important is it than that the church, that those of us who believe continue to learn these stories and pass them on to our children? It, it's, it's extremely important. And, you know, that with
1: the example you just gave, if we're going to honor Princess Diana, we should more often honor her and the good things she did. Mm-hmm. Not all the other stuff, all that baggage that might come, that could come about uh, in much the same way that uh, a lot of people don't recognize, but as you and I have already talked about, is this struggle. Mother Teresa, her struggles were great. She had one moment of clarity in her life, and it was when she was a young sister, that she should do what she ended up doing for her lifetime. Mm. But she felt very much separated from Christ in most of her ministry. And uh, that's probably the greatness of be, uh, saints, is they didn't always feel Christ. We don't always feel Jesus in our life. And when we get that way, there's this tendency to reject him. Mm-hmm. We're going to do things on our own. Whether, whether it's Mother Teresa or St. Nicholas, they would have had struggles, and they continued to commit to him over and over
0: again. Well, and I think of, as, as you and I have raised children, you know, when they're little— uh, just learning to walk. We support them. We hold their hand. Um, but then as they learn to walk, you know, we hold their hand when they cross the street. Right. Or on ice or, you know, snow or something like that. Maybe when we're learning to skate. But as we get, as they get older, um, we kind of walk in the vicinity. Right. And then at some point in time, they're walking completely out of our circle of influence. But that's so true. Because
1: we're still a little bit of a guide. We're more of like the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi or the, uh, or the Yoda. Mm-hmm. We don't dictate what they do. Uh, I was amazed today. And I was working from home and it seemed like the last three hours, was just nonstop. There was a couple of times the kids knocked on my door and I was like, I can't right now. And I came down and Emma was sitting there just waiting. And I said, well, where's Joseph? She's like, he's with Sam. I'm like, well, where's Sam. So Sam is 20, and he took Joseph to Mass at Mm. 5 o'clock. And I'm like, wow, he's 20 years old. And he did that. He took his brother. That's amazing. Mm. But somewhere along the way, Sam had to embrace that himself. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a little bit of a guide, but you're right. I mean, you can't dictate. You hope that your kids will lead a life where they're searching and striving to grow in holiness.
0: Well, and how much of that then is... is I've become more understanding of God's love towards me mm. and how he's continued to grow me and guide me as I've tried to do the same thing for my children. Right. And I think there are times where he's like, okay, let's see what you can do. Yeah. You know, can you ride this bike? If I stand here, can you get down there and back? Um, and he's always there. Right. But sometimes, you know, we don't feel him right next to us. So important. And I even think like with, with this time of year... We have so
1: many images of Santa Claus, but so many of our statues or the figurines that we put out, you know, it's St. Nicholas Mm -hmm. because he's not just wearing the red and the big white beard. You're seeing him with the miter and his, uh, um, the staff, a shepherd staff. And the idea is let's draw our children's attention to what he did Right Not what this legend of him being some guy that just only comes out on Christmas Eve, but so true that is so true I think um well,
0: yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about that as we kind of wrap up. Sure. is what does it look like for someone who maybe the listener had no idea who Saint Nicholas was mm-hmm. what might that look like for them to start to put together to put something into their house uh that might help them kind of remind their children of of the example that St. Nicholas was to Christ and and something that we could follow.
1: I've got two ideas. The first is if you can find the figurines of the more St. Nicholas. So they may be some, it may look a little bit like Santa Claus, but truly the St. Nicholas from 18, 17, 1800 years ago. And then secondly, I love the, the nativities or you don't even need the nativity with this. But you've got the the manger scene and the nativity, and if you insert St. Nicholas, a figurine of Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, where he's around the nativity, and that would bring our children's eyes to both. Mm -hmm. The reason for Christmas is Christ. It's not Santa Claus. And so if we draw our our children's attention to, oh, St. Nicholas is also devoted to Christ, We'd be a much better off than we are now.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I've had a, a different conversation and I don't want to go down the road on this podcast, because I, I will in future podcasts. <laughs> you know, but but I've I've been asking myself um, you know, recently, we, we spent a lot of time looking at Paul's letters and mm-hmm. and the and Peter's letters and some of these letters, and we talk about them as scripture. Um, and I think some of this was canonized in in if I remember right, the Nicaean um uh in Nicaea was what is scripture, but I sometimes have felt like we as a church have spent as much or more focus on Paul mm. and and some of the other letters as we have on Christ. True. And that that we've almost elevated them to the same level of Christ instead of the phrase I've I've come up with the last couple of days is is not necessarily saying that they're not scripture, because I'm not ready by any means to do that. But the idea of like they're excellent companion literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, literature, I'm sorry, excellent companion literature to the f- gospels. That much like I know people look at the Matthew Henry's commentary or a lot of the other commentaries um, that help explain who Jesus was and how we as followers and devotees of Christ can model after Christ. Yes, and and I love that. Now, who better to explain what that looks like to us right. than the people who walked with him, who who Jesus poured into, and and then Paul, who who Christ through the Spirit also poured into, right? Um, but just that idea of always focusing back on Christ, and that's who it was, um, and bringing this this Nicholas. in. what about the idea of you, you mentioned uh, December sixth? Mm-hmm. Um, what might something like that look like, especially for the Protestants who have no idea what that is? Right. So again, it's just, yeah. well, first
1: of all, we, we have a tendency, probably not just in this country, but every country, to go from Thanksgiving to Christmas. And there's a period there that we call Advent, and that's the preparation of the coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so Saint the feast day of St. Nicholas is one of those things. So Advent in is kind of a penitential state. It's not where we need to be flogging ourselves or anything like this, but we should be spending Advent more in devotion to prayer, maybe a little bit of fasting, uh, all to get closer to Christ. But in any type of a penitential state, so Lent before Easter, there are moments where we can celebrate. And so if we're acting in a penitential way throughout Advent... St. Nicholas's feast day on December 6th could be a great way. Okay, well, we're, we're we're making our way through Advent. We're getting ready to be prepared for Christ. And so just doing something special. So that might be the time that you bring out your Santa Claus figurines or your St. Nicholas uh, figurines or statues. But just honoring him, but not just giving gifts. You know, if we, if we just, not us, it's St. Nicholas giving gifts to our kids. But if that's all we did, we wouldn't be doing much good. Right. Right. It's really talking about his life. And that is one of the things that we've tried to do within our family.
0: Yeah. So taking that almost going and starting to look back in time, mm-hmm. taking a pause in the year, you know, two seventy three hundred AD. Right. To look at St. Nicholas and his example as we move closer and closer to, you know, the winter solstice. Yeah. That I, I don't know that anybody truly believes Christ was born on December 25th. Right. Uh, but that's the day that we celebrate God's gift of of Christ to us, um, and and kind of working back through time, and that bit of remembering, hey, the reason we give gifts to some extent is the example that Saint Nicholas oh, very much gave us. That then, if we continue to, and it's not gifts, I right. think, so much as Saint Nicholas tended to people's needs. That's right. And how we as Christians should do the same you know and Christ said if they'll know you're my followers if you love one another right if you take care of each other and also one thing i would say is to
1: recognize that the idea of being charitable and giving of ourselves or giving of what we have it doesn't have to just be a christian thing right jesus came into the world and within a few days there were three men who brought gold frankincense and myrrh mm-hmm. all things that jesus and his family would have used so this idea that we can give gifts, it culminates in Christmas. Obviously, it may culminate also on our birthdays, but that should not be the only time of year. So even going back about how can we do this within our families, well, maybe on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day, we read the story of the Nativity. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about the idea, remember, we're getting gifts, but the reason we're here is to celebrate the life of Christ, right? and what did he do? He gave gifts. Is life for us. So we need to be constantly looking to give of ourselves to other people.
0: Yeah. And how much God wasn't content to be separated from man. Right. That his desire has been not, and this is where I think a lot of people, they think, okay, well, yeah, I accept Christ as my savior. I I did a few other steps. Now I'm done. I'm good. That's not it. No, he came. He wants to live with us every single day. He wants to walk with us. I often point back to the cool of the day uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden. God would come down in the cool of the day and talk about mm. how was your day? Right. And I'm going to guess God didn't settle for fine. Right. What'd you do today? <laughs> Nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I, because that's the God that I know. He is passionate about each and every one of us. And he had to build a bridge. He had to tend to a few things. That, that's another discussion. Um but Jesus Christ was that solution. So true. I just recently
1: uh, watched a video, I think it was probably last week, where this gentleman was talking about our relationship with Christ. And you touched on it, that he became us. He became one of us to spend time with us. And he's still with us. And we need to spend time. And so in much the same way, whether it's our spouse or our children or our friend, if we're struggling or we're angry, that's okay. And as this man said, if you're angry give it to God, Mm -hmm. because he really is the only one that can remove that from you. He can help heal you of that. And so never forget that Jesus is a real person. He's in your life daily, and you should be conversing with him on a daily basis. Right. Last thoughts. Okay. Well, I would say I appreciate you doing the the show on St. Nicholas, because I think the idea is let's really, really remember he was a real man. Mm-hmm. He was very generous, he had as as you maybe could say, he had everything he had all the wealth he needed, and my guess is he gave most of his wealth away, and not that we're all called to give all of our wealth away, but we're we're called to give mm. and in much the same way, Jesus gave his life for us. We have to follow the example of Saint Nicholas or other saints or other individuals in our lives today and do more giving. And Christmas is a great time to do that. Um, It's probably the least favorite part of my life or part of the holiday of Christmas is actually the gift giving. Mm. Because for me, it takes away from so much because we don't focus on why we're doing this. Uh, But just hopefully it can be a constant reminder, okay, throughout my year, not just now, but throughout my year, I'm going to find ways to give because St. Nicholas didn't
0: give at Christmas. He gave throughout the year. When the need was there. No doubt. Well, Tony, thanks a a ton for for coming on and sharing uh, everything you know um, and uh, and joining us on this. Uh, This has been the Who is God podcast, and I wish you all a very Merry Christmas. You've been listening to the Who is God podcast. Join the discussion on Facebook or Instagram. This podcast has been brought to you by Tacklebox Studios. Tacklebox Studios is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. This podcast has been made possible by generous support from individuals like you. Have you found this meaningful? Please let us know. Donations can be mailed to Tacklebox Studios, 285 South 68th Street Place, Suite 320, Lincoln, Nebraska, 68510.